message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Now, here's Pastor Ron Bietti. Good morning. You guys made it. Time changed and you're here. We're here. We're here here. Most of all, God is here. Uh, Thank John this morning for leading worship. Allie's down leading worship at our women's retreat. And John did a solo thing today, and he did a good job. We're blessed, I'll tell you. Pray for our women. We got several hundred down in L.A. today. Elections Tuesday. Please vote. Vote. And we invite any of you who want to come. Next week, I will be in Las Vegas. We have our 20-year anniversary of our campus in Las Vegas. And Pastor Jim Cruz will be there. I'll be there. Pastor Doug will be there. They're having a big party. 20 years ago, we went, and again, I know it's redundant, but every time I go in there and I see that beautiful sanctuary, I see that beautiful cafeteria, and I look and I have to pinch myself because this all started from a seed of faith. It was a seed of faith. God said, go start a church in Vegas, and it was just a seed, and that seed grew into a sanctuary with a thousand people. It's just incredible, simply incredible. Well, I have a lot to say to you today. God told me precisely to speak on this today. I figured our women were gone. I figured our services would be low because of the time changes that just happens. We welcome everybody in the internet and our other campuses. But God said, make it real simple. This is nothing complicated today. It's nothing that you're going to have to really, really think deep. It's very, very simple. So let's pray this right here. Father God, help me to be short and to the point and anoint everything I say in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. Don't forget to watch the podcast. They've taken off, man. They've really taken off. We're in our 10th podcast. Off the Mountain, VBF. Today we're going to begin by looking at some Scripture passages, and the first one's in Matthew chapter 14. Now let me give you the backdrop. Jesus has just fed... 5,000 men plus women and children from five loaves and two fishes. Now, this was a visible miracle that was used to demonstrate a spiritual law to us. The spiritual law is when we use what we have, we get more of it. Do you hear me? When we use what we have for the kingdom of God, we get more of it. For example, when we use our money to promote the kingdom of God, we get more money. You say, that doesn't sound right. He flows through us. I can give you scripture. You say it doesn't sound right, but I can read you the verses. God flows through us. He doesn't give us more money for ourselves to build bigger kingdoms, but he flows through us and replaces that money that we give. When we give provisions, we get more. When we give out faith, we get more faith. When we give out encouragement in the kingdom, we get more encouragement. When we give out mercy and we give out grace, we get more mercy and more grace. That's one reason of many for verses like this, where it says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. 
let me ask you something. What do you need more of in the spiritual realm? Give it out. I'm lonely. I have no friends. I don't have anybody. Well, start loving other people and see what comes back to you. A man reaps what he sows. And so Jesus uses this this story here to, to tell us about a law of walking with him. Now look at Matthew 14, 22. After he feeds the 5,000, it says immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. Now what happens next in the story is extremely interesting. Jesus sends the disciples away in a boat to go across the lake, and he goes up on the mountain to pray and to be alone with the Father. Now, I have to wonder, what kind of things did Jesus see a need to set into motion through prayer? See, he prayed a lot. He was always setting things in motion. Do you know that when you pray, you set things in motion? When you pray, you cause things to happen in the invisible realm that wouldn't happen had you not prayed. That's why Jesus prayed so much. Some of you, your kids aren't getting saved because you're not praying for them. Some of you, your job isn't working out because you're not praying about the job. I'm telling you, have not because you ask not. It's in page 492. It's in the book. And so he's setting things in motion. When you begin to pray, demons begin to flee. Angels start going and coming when you begin to pray. Hearts start changing. Minds begin to think differently. Problems begin to shrink when you pray. Stuff that would never happen will start happening. You won't believe the times I pray for people that are going to surgery or around here, they're going to court, uh, whatever. And I pray for them and I say, now things are going to happen that would not have happened had we not prayed. See, the Bible is a book for simple people. Unless you become like a child and get converted, you know, it says you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. You've got to be childlike. So... Here's the deal. The disciples get into the boat to go to the other side of the lake. Jesus is on the hill praying, and they encounter a storm on the sea. And Jesus uses the storm for an opportunity to provide them with a testimony. How many of you know a testimony can't come without tests? Have you ever scratched your head and wondered why the Bible, James, Peter, so many people say, encounter it all joy when you experience trials? Because when you're walking close to God, those trials are an opportunity for a testimony. A testimony can't come without a test. You have to have a test. Very often, trials come into our life for one major purpose only, and that is to show the world how big our God is. It's a chance to show off and show the power of our God. Now, during this test, Jesus comes to them walking on water. How many of you have ever tried to walk on water? Nobody? I have. I sunk. But we call this a miracle. 
Miracles are simply things that should not happen in the natural realm, but they happen because God's in them. Again, it's redundant. People know the story by heart. But when I prayed for that seal that was 99% dead, that had been laying on the beach for two, two days, that was a miracle when he looked up all of a sudden within three minutes of my prayer and stretches and sneezes three times, you biblical students, and goes back in the ocean and disappears. That, that's called a miracle. And I've got several of those stories, probably 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 they're miracles. It's when the supernatural exceeds the natural. I was reading in my devotions this week, Acts chapter 3. A man who was lame from his mother's womb, he had never walked. He was being carried to the temple when Peter and John were going at 3 o'clock in the afternoon for the afternoon prayer. And they brought this guy and laid him down. And immediately he asked Peter and John for money. And it says they turned their gaze on him. And they looked at him. Now live this with them. I mean, they were just walking along, probably talking about sports or whatever men talk about. They were, they were talking, and they see this guy, and they gaze at him. Just like I gaze at the people that are at the off-ramp saying, I want money or whatever. They have signs written. Normally, I never give to them. But I'm always open. I'm always open saying, God, is this a, a time you would have me to give or do something and so they look at him and they say this fabulous known phrase. They said, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give to thee. Stand and walk. Now here's the incredible part. Can you imagine? They picked him up, yanked him up. What if he just would have fell back over in his face and now he's paralyzed? They were drunk in the spirit. And when you get drunk in the spirit of God, sometimes you do some things that you would not ordinarily do. Well, that man got up and walked, and we're told that he accompanied them into the temple, and he was dancing and singing and praising, and the people were fulfilled, they were filled with wonderment. They were amazed, going, what's up with this? Jeremiah 32, 27 says, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too difficult for me? What's the answer? What's the answer? No. You're tired today, aren't you? <laughs> I know how it goes. I got up 4:10 four, this morning. Luke 18:27. But he said, "The things that are impossible with people are, are impossible with people, are possible with God." Do you really believe that? Mark 9:23. Jesus said to him, "If you can, see this guy says, well, I know you can heal me if you can. He says, if I can. All things are possible to him who believes. That's a verb. It doesn't say all things are possible to Christians, but those who believe. It's got action behind it. For those people, all things are possible. Now, God uses miracles sometimes to, to further his kingdom purposes. Now, you never know when a miracle will come. It's at God's own discretion. But back to the story. These men thought they were seeing a ghost. That's what it says in Scripture. He comes walking on water, they go, it's a ghost. He said, Christians don't believe in ghosts. They do. They did. On two or three occasions, you see in Scripture. They, they believe in ghosts. We don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but they did. Now, this situation provides Peter with an opportunity to experiment with his faith. 
You know, a lot of the kingdom things that I have learned that are very valuable to me came through experimentation. I came up with a sermon years ago and I preached it three times. The sermon's called, Why Not? Why not? What's it gonna hurt? That's the way you learn. One day I laid hands on a person that was pretty crazy and I, I just said, why not? I go, in Jesus' name, demon, if you're there, tell me who you are. And he began to engage with me. That was the start of my deliverance ministry. I said, oh my goodness. Why not? It's a great way to live sometimes. And there's rules that go with that. I gave you the rules some time ago. But why not ask the most evil person at, at, at work to go to lunch with you and tell them your story about how you came to Christ. Why not? What's it gonna hurt? Why not openly pray with somebody in Target when they tell you about a problem they're going through? As long as it doesn't embarrass them, why not? Pray right there. Why not, you know, ask God for provision? Uh, I could go on and on. So Peter asked the Lord, he says, I want to walk on water like you. Because see, in those days, a disciple didn't want to just be a pupil of the rabbi. They wanted to do what the rabbi did. And he says, confirm the fact that, that I can walk on water. Lord, I want to walk on water. Can I come? He says, come, Peter. Faith produce, I mean, Ramus produce faith. And so Peter starts walking on water. Look at verse 29, 30, 31. Jesus said to Peter, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you a little faith, why? Why'd you doubt? And the Greek word for afraid here is very interesting. In the classical Greek, the word can mean cause to run away. It means to stop doing what you're doing because of fear. It means to hesitate. See, Peter sunk because he stopped moving forward as the Spirit told him to move, and he started looking at circumstances. So many Christians never have a God story because they get their eyes on circumstances after God's pretty much told them what he wants, and they sink. Uh, on our podcast this coming Tuesday, we're talking about hearing God's voice. And Josh had asked me a question earlier. He said, Dad, what about people who just know they've heard God's voice and then what they heard God's voice about never comes to pass? I said, well, one of two things. Either they really didn't hear God's voice and if they did, what happened? And a lot of people fall in this, this way. They stop abiding with God. They start picking up bad habits. And abiding with God is where you get the faith to keep going forward to do the things necessary to get the manifestation of the promise. Sometimes there's certain things that we have to do to get the manifestation of the promise. And if we stop doing them, then the promise won't be fulfilled. But because we look at circumstances and don't know that the just shall live by faith, faith is the assurance and the conviction of things in your heart that you cannot see. You don't walk by faith once you see the outcome. Faith is establishing your decisions and centering them around what God has told you. And you can't see when I was dying of cancer again. For two years, I was still dying on paper, but I, but I, I had so much 
made up my mind to believe God more than I believe, because God had went out of his way to tell me precisely what he was gonna do. So, in our story, Jesus rebukes Peter for not having faith. He gets mad at him. He says, come on. And he does this several times in other passages. Matthew 17, a man brings his demon-possessed son to the disciples, and they couldn't cast the demon out. And here's what Jesus said in, in uh, Matthew 17, 20. He said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have the faith, have faith the size of a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it, the mountain will move. And if you have faith, nothing will be impossible to you. In Luke chapter eight, Jesus is again on a boat with the disciples when a storm came. And the wind and waves began to, to break on the boat. It was filling up with water. And it says that Jesus was asleep down in the stern on a cushion. And the disciples went down and woke him up and said, man, don't you care? Master, we're, we're, we're perishing, we're gonna die. And Jesus came up, rebuked the wind and the waves, and the sea became still. And then he got pretty angry with them. He goes, where's your faith? Why did I have to do this for you? You should be at a place of maturity where you could do this yourself. So it goes on and on. Now, let me get to what God told me to talk about today. I just threw those stories in because I was out for a walk last night where I live, and I ran into a guy that used to be a newscaster here in town, and we began to talk. And he said something that I, I felt like I was looking at myself in the mirror. He said, Pastor Ron, Christians are living at such a lower level than they were spo they're supposed to live. They're, they're living at such a lower level. He said, they just don't get it. The power that Paul says in Ephesians that we have as believers. And I said, man, I agree. So I went back and looked at these stories again. And here's my point. I want to make a transition right here. We're still called to walk in that same way with Jesus. Same way they walked. I've done it for 50 years. That's why I'm still so passionate up here. That's why I never want to retire. I know I won't stay up here all the time. We're getting younger people up here. But I told you now, when they kick me out, I'll just go down somewhere and I'll start another church. That's what I'm gonna do. Uh, I have no intentions of retiring because I just got this thing down the last 50 years and I can't stop sharing it. I said before, I would do this even if you didn't pay me, but just don't tell my board of directors that because of the passion. Now, my life looks a lot like theirs. I have many, many, as most of you know, same kind of God stories they have in the Church of Acts. But I want everyone to have what I have. I want them to walk the way I walk. And so here's what I'm gonna do. We had a threatening situation happen to us this week here in the church. Somebody pretty much uh, did some things that had some of the staff scared. So I called the staff all in and I said, guys, this is a blessing in disguise. I said, God's going to bless us in, the, in, in this situation. And I began to talk to them about holiness. Uh, like last week, I, I looked, and we had a great carnival out there and stuff. I would like to make it a little more spiritual next time. I don't want it to go quite the worldly way. 
But nevertheless, I, I, they did a good job. The kids worked their heart out putting it together. And so I told my staff, I said, listen to me, guys, I want to say something. If you have any ministry on that stage on Wednesday or Sunday, and you have one foot in the world and one foot in Christ, and you're here afraid today, you should be afraid. This pulpit is a holy area. Not for perfect people, but for people that are serious with God. I'd be scared to death, and not, it doesn't happen at this church, but if I was a pastor dibbling in pornography and I was up here in this pulpit, I'd be scared to death because God doesn't put up with that stuff. He wants holiness. And so I told the staff, I said, listen to me. This is a chance to repent and confess any sins in our life. So I said, everybody go to the altar and let's, let's sit before God a while this morning and say, Lord, search me if there's any wicked thing in me. And they went to the altar, and so I'd already been to the altar two or three times. So I said, God, anything else? And God spoke to me so real. It came out of nowhere. And after 50 years, I knew his voice. He said, Ron, start giving altar calls. I said, ah. He said, honestly, start giving them. I'm not happy with you not doing that. And so I began to look at these stories and began to think about what God told me. And... Here's the thought that came to me. Bless your heart. We love you so much. God loves you even more. A lot of you come out of Catholic, the Catholic Church. I mean, remember, I'm Ronaldo, Luigi, Pasquale, Romani, Ovietti. I love you Hispanic people, but the Catholic Church started with us Italians. That's where it started. And my grandparents and my aunts, they were all pillars in the Catholic Church. But very often we assume I'm a Catholic. I was born a Catholic, you know, on and on. And we never really know a time that we got born again. Everybody ought to know the proximity or the time era when they ask the Holy Spirit to come in their body. Because you can't be born again without the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Paul, when he was traveling, he went to Ephesus and said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, we didn't even know there'd be a Holy Spirit. He said, we got to do this all over again. We got to start all over. Now, I'm going to say more. I want to take you back real quick. I'm watching the clock. I, I'm going to have you out here in 15 minutes. Just bear with me. Let's go back to Matthew 7, 13 through 16. Read it like you've never read it before. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to abundant life. There's only a few who find it. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. You will know them by their what? What does it say? Again, what does it say? Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes nor figs from thistles, are they? You will know them by their fruits. This is not complicated. Fruits are things that nourish us. They're delightful to the taste. When you eat fresh fruit, you want more of it. It's sweet, it's good. My friend in the front row doesn't remember, but I remember this well, like yesterday, we were out deer hunting one time, and man, I was hungry. And we came across an apple tree in a guy's orchard, I think. We didn't see the house till we filled up on apples, and then we saw the house. <laughs> but those apples still had frost on them in the morning dew, and man, those were the best apples I've ever eaten in my life. They were sweet. I wanted more of them. See, good fruit 
is out there and bad fruit is out there. Now, let me make a real simple point. The delightfulness of fruit has a lot to do with the season that we're in. Uh, For example, when you get apples in season, like those came fresh off the tree, man, they're great. But when you get apples out of season, they've sat in cold storage for a while, not that great. Watermelon's the same. And I believe that mature Christians really, really realize that we must move with the seasons. We must walk in the Spirit according to the season. See, there's, there's a season to have that conversation. There's a season not to have it. There's a season to rebuke and a season to not rebuke. There's a season to encourage, a season to remain silent. There's a season to speak. And as you mature in Christ, you watch the seasons very closely. You go, nah, maybe not yet. It needs to be done, but not yet. It's not the season. Let's move on because we got to get out of here. Verse 17 and 18. So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. Hello. Is that complicated? A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Now, the word produce here is in the present infinitive, and it means a continued repeated action. Can't happen. Uh, Twice in the last year, I sat and debated with an older person in the church, and in both cases, I happen to know they're sleeping with somebody. It's not their spouse. They're divorced, and they're sleeping with somebody. And I said, you're not right with God. Oh, I'm right with God. I, I promise you that. No way. If you're sleeping with someone that's not your spouse, you are not right with God. You need to get right with God because Christians don't do that. I got drunk five times last month, but I love the Lord with all my heart. Well, maybe you love him, but you're not right with God. Now stay with me. I'm gonna bring this thing and make a turn here. Christians do what Christians are. Christians go to church faithfully. Oh, I don't like to go to church. Well, you probably don't have the Holy Spirit in you because the Holy Spirit will put a desire in your heart to be fed at a church. That's what happens. Christians give. Christians serve. Christians talk about kingdom stuff quite a bit. How do I know? Because that's what Christians are and that's what they do. Now verse 21 through 23. Every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then, is this easy? You'll know them by their fruits. It's real simple. Real simple. I don't like to go to church. I get drunk. I know that isn't my spouse I'm sleeping with. Well, you're not, you're not right with God. Because you'll know them by their what? Now, let's go back to 714. We're going to end in a five-minute conversation. The gate is narrow that leads to abundant life and only few find it. In comparison to society at large, only a few find it. Why? What are some of the reasons only a few find their way to this abundant life? Six reasons real quickly. Uh, Some people never find it because no one's praying for them. No one's praying for their salvation. Now, as believers, let me ask you a question. Are you praying for people to be saved right now around you? If you're not, you're failing the good commission. You're, you're not fulfilling it. Are you praying as I do? 
for these one or two people around me or three is not saved. Every day, take an authority over the spirits that have blinded their minds in Jesus' name, praying that they would be influenced uh, about coming to church, that they, they would get tired of their old sin in their life. So we gotta pray for people's salvation. Once you do, God will come and convict them, but, but we gotta be praying for the unsaved. Number two, uh, some people never find the narrow gate because they don't desire it because no one has been modeling the true Christian faith for them. When you see somebody's really on their game and really serving the Lord with all their heart, you're gonna desire that probably. If you have any you know, inclination toward God at all, you're gonna go, man, I want the blessings, I want that. See, some preacher, I listened to a preacher yesterday, he's, he's very popular, he had a, about 100,000 views of his sermon. And I've watched this guy before, but man, he looks like he's been baptized in lemon juice. Oh my, he's always like that. He's always down, heretics. And you know, people not preaching the word, and we gotta stand on the word. And I thought, man, whatever you have, I don't really want it. <laughs> if it makes that kind of, but her, see, there's some movements in the Christian church, and it's a shame. We call each other heretics. There are Christian groups out there that are so into the word, they don't, and they use verses to prove that they are, they are to speak out against the heretics in those days, the heretics were people who didn't believe that Jesus Christ was the only truth, life, and way. It was people who didn't believe in him as their savior. When it comes to doctrine, we're all gonna have some different opinions. But these people, and there's a very, very good movement of them in Bakersfield. They go, if you don't see the doctrines the same way we do, you're a heretic. Well, what makes you think your opinion's right and everybody else is wrong? Doesn't everybody see some of these things a little differently? Can't cost somebody heresy. But this guy, man, he was preaching about heresy and he was coming down on everybody. And again, he just looked like a sad guy. Number three, a lot of people don't find the narrow way because they don't want to humble themselves and do what Carrie Underwood did in her song when she said, let Jesus take the will. See, a lot of people, that takes humility. I said last week, when we got to be baptized out here, well, we're basically saying, if I was going to be baptized today, I'd be saying, you know, I'm coming out here to die to Ron Vietti. Ron Vietti's messing up my life. Ron Vietti's giving me bad advice. Ron Vietti sometimes wants to sin. Ron Vietti talks too much sometimes. Ron Vietti, I want him to die, and I want Jesus to start living through me. Because he messes things up, Ron Vietti does. Number four. A lot of people never find the narrow way because there's no commitment in their life. I mean, people today, some people just don't, they don't have the ability to commit to a diet, to marriage, to education. Uh, see, to grow in the faith, there's some amount of consistency required. You gotta learn, you gotta pray. There's a little bit that's concern, uh, required, excuse me. Number five is that they haven't taken time to investigate the Bible. I was reading about Lee Strobel this week, one of the most gifted guys in the church world today. He was very, very smart, intelligent, he's a journalist. And Lee Strobel came home one day to find out that his wife gave her life to the Lord. And he says, after I heard that, through a process of events, I wanted to divorce her. I did not want to be married to some Christian person. I thought Christianity was a farce. And so he used his intelligent gifts that he had and decided he was gonna write a book to disprove Christianity for his wife and everybody else. And he dug and dug and dug and ended up writing 
a very popular New York bestseller that proved that Jesus is God and that Christianity's right. Josh McDowell, same thing. And a lot of people out there, they hear me talking about God spoke to me. And again, listen to the podcast Tuesday. And they go, ah, oh, God doesn't speak to people. Have you really investigated that? Have you spent time looking at the word? Do you know what's in the Bible? I mean, come on. If it's a matter of life, eternal life or death, you ought to look in the Bible and look at this thing. I mean, again, I'm telling you, the Bible is real. What about the UFOs in the Bible? Have you looked at those? What about near-death experiences? What about what the Bible says? How about multiple personality disorders? What does the Bible say about all that? And then number six, some people are just content to live in a small world. My world's so big, so big. My heart aches for those young girls being, you know, they're being uh, put in the sex trade industry. Oh, it's a corporate church, we have to help them. Foster, uh, foster kids, my heart bleeds. We have over 300 orphans, Valley Bible does, in Africa. Those kids have names. They don't have parents. We have one orphanage of kids with AIDS. Parents don't want them. I mean, my heart, my world is so big. My mother-in-law was just put into a home temporarily in Porterville in a homeless, not a homeless, an elderly home, excuse me. And we go up there and visit every week and my heart just goes out. My sister-in-law was staying with her the other night and she said, Ron, this is the saddest place. She said, there are people wandering around the halls. We saw two or three. They don't know where they're at. Nobody ever comes and visits them. They're a forgotten group. They wanna go home, but they don't know where home's at. They don't know if they have a car there. I mean, my world's big. And I want to give it to these causes for the rest of my life. What is a Christian? Number one, it's someone who's made up their mind. They want to follow God. Number two, they believe that the Bible is God's word. Number three, they're willing to turn away from sin. There are people that come to the conclusion that God's word is right on. And I know for you that have been here for a while, but there's so many that, that is not familiar with us. They, they've realized that everything God calls a sin in the Bible is a sin because it's bad for you. And I've told you that have been here for a long time, sin's a package deal. And I'm, I'm some dumb, but I'm not plumb dumb. When you take sin, you gotta take the whole package. You get 3% of pleasure, 3% of, of, a, of a sinful high out of that package, but you get 97% of what I call crapola. I'm smart enough to know I'm not gonna sacrifice all the good stuffs in the kingdom of God, all the good stuff for 3% of pleasure. I'm, I'm smart enough to know that whatever the Bible calls a sin is probably bad for me. And last, people who are Christians are willing to receive the Holy Spirit. Here's how it works. Someday you're going to be judged by the word. So you're reading the word. It says drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you think, God, I'm getting drunk and yet I'm giving my life to you. And so you go to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, right now, cause the Holy Spirit to give me strength. Holy Spirit, are you in there? I need strength to stop getting drunk. Help me. And he will. 
You're reading the word. It says fornicators don't inherit the kingdom. Oh, Father God, I like to fornicate and I give my life to you. God, right now, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me. Help me turn from this. Begin to change my desires. And he will. You read the word gossip. And then the other positive things. God, you've told me to, to, that I'm to win the loss, that I'm to be part of the great commission. And Father God, I, I don't know how to do that. Holy Spirit, help me today to, to, to minister to somebody and invite them to church. Give me that strength. Give me the power to give. Give me the power to serve. There's rewards to living this lifestyle. Oh, we don't talk about rewards, do we? Yeah, I want to know what's in it. I do. Because, I mean, if, if the Bible said, give your life to God and you'll get two more years tacked onto your, your life, lifespan, two more years, I'd say, that's not even worth it. But number one, we serve God and give him our whole heart and our whole life. Number one is we will start living in the kingdom of God right now. See, most Christians don't know. We live in the exact same way those disciples lived. We live with the same Jesus. We walk with him just like they walked with him, except he's invisible. That's the only difference. We live in the kingdom of God right now. Through us, there's times where God does miracles. He speaks to us. He leads us. He's God. It is the most exciting lifestyle you could ever have on this earth. Yes, we have to deny sin. And yes, we go through problems like everybody else, but God goes through those problems with us. Second blessing is heaven becomes our final home. Does that blow you away? That Jesus said Ron Vietti will never die. I could be killed in a car accident today, but I will not die. Immediately I'll be here and then I'll be there. I can't even fathom what that's like. Number three, we'll be united with our loved ones. Ah. Oh. Some of you have lost children. You're gonna see them again. That's like the best news in the whole world. Some of the pain some of you have been through, I just... Prayed with a young man, 25. He's in a coma. And the doctors say, there's probably no hope. I wasn't able to make it. I was out of town, but I said, put the phone by his ears. And I said, buddy, this is Pastor Ron. And we're praying for a miracle. But if we don't get it, the Lord's going to send his angels to come and get you. And we'll see you. We'll join you soon. And so I love you, and I want you to know right now, that Lord, forgive him for all of his sins, wash him clean, prepare him, send an angel to be with him. But I said, buddy, hang in there. Hang in there. And I called him by name. Hang in there. So, almost 50 years I've lived this life. And it's nothing but exhilarating. Not a trial I go through until I, I, I get somewhat excited about what God's going to do in it. Do I go through pain like everybody else? I don't know what's around the corner for me. I, I sat with you for 50 years. I sat in your home and seen your tears going, man, his clothes are still damp from his workout yesterday and he's gone, pastor. He's gone. Here's my text three hours ago and he's not here. Pastor, help me. I've sat with him. I have had the same heartaches you have. I've hurt for you. I've cried with you. But I'll tell you, I've watched your life and God enters that picture at some point in time. And he gives a lot of grace and we have the advantage that the world doesn't have. So here's what I want to do in closing. God told me, he says, a lot of people here 
they'll come out of the Catholic Church and they just assume, you know, I was born Catholic, so I'm right with God. But they don't remember a time when they actually asked the Holy Spirit to come and live in their body. That's today. God told me to stop everything. I know this wasn't anything deep today. I'm sorry, I got a lot of good notes coming up, but it wasn't for today. Right now, if you're here, Holy Spirit move. Holy Spirit move across this building. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I've never received the Holy Spirit. I, I just thought I'm, I'm right with God. Our prayer people are coming to the front too. But I want you to do me a favor. It's gonna take a lot of courage. And I don't normally do this. But if you're here today, say, Pastor, I don't know that I'm saved. I've never received the Holy Spirit. I don't know that I've been born again. I wanna be born again today. I wanna to make sure I'm born again today. Would you stand to your feet? I know it takes a lot of courage, but you can do it. Just stand up. People did in the first service, about 30 did. Just stand to your feet and I'm gonna pray for you. Go ahead, come on, stand up. You know where you're at. I'm gonna pray for you and this prayer is gonna be true. Keep popping up. You're gonna leave here possibly for the very first time with God in your body. Now I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen. After we pray this prayer, you gotta start getting familiar with the Holy Spirit who lives in you. And in time, you'll start learning to hear his voice Listen to the podcast Tuesday. You'll start feeling his promptings. He'll start giving you strength. So if you're in any doubt at all, stand and then we're all gonna pray together and then we're gonna go to Taco Bell and have a great day. Can you pass Taco Bell without being tremendously tempted? For you Hispanic people, that, that's, that's, that's real Spanish food. I'm just giving people time to stand. I'm just rumbling, rambling. Okay, all of you are standing. Do you understand? Are you willing to turn from sin? You're willing to turn from it by God's grace. You won't do it with perfection. It'll take time, but you're willing to turn. Are you willing to, to stop having a lot of company with non-believing bad people because uh, bad company, you know, it, it, it perverts character. Now you're not to stop associating with them. Just don't, don't, don't spend more time with them than you do you know, God, you still, you still in the world. You still got to do that. So you're willing to turn from sin. You're willing to receive the Holy Spirit and you're willing to start studying God's word and, and, and asking for strength to obey it. Okay. Let's all pray together. Everybody say, Lord God, I come to you today and I want to be born of the spirit. So right now, send the Holy Spirit, come and live in my body. Jesus, take the will. I'm giving my life to you today. Feel free to get rid of stuff you don't like and confirm the things that are healthy for me. Today I receive the Holy Spirit. Let the journey begin. In Jesus' name, amen. Give these people a hand and I'll, I'll see you here, there in the air. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661 
425-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Here is our King, here is our love.